Welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. John is the number one national best-selling author of the book On Fire. He's a world-class inspirational speaker, and he's the host of the Live Inspired Podcast. John interviews extraordinary individuals on their life story so that you can wake up from accidental living and more fully live your life story. Here's your host, John O'Leary. Well, hello, my friends. I am John O'Leary, and I'm so happy to have you here joining me in the Live Inspired movement. On every Live Inspired podcast episode, we have amazing guests join us to share their stories, their successes, their failures, their lessons, and their life. Before we get started today, though, you ought to check out our work on Facebook, our Twitter feed, our videos, our blogs, our writings, our book on fire. Also, the work that we do as speakers around the country and around the world. You can find more about all of that at JohnO'LearyInspires.com. That's JohnO'LearyInspires.com. If you love these podcasts, you're going to love the daily inspiration as well. Let's dive into today, though. We have, for the first time ever on the Live Inspired podcast, the opportunity to interview not just one guest, but two guests. I'm super excited to bring into your lives the names, the impact that these two individuals have had on me. Their names are Mark and Angel Chernoff. They are professional coaches, full-time students of life. They're admirers of the human spirit, and they have been recognized as one of the most popular personal development blogs by Forbes magazine. It's big-time stuff. It's great work that they're doing. They're with us on air, ready to share their hearts, their minds, their perspectives, and the next best step that you can take in your journey with you today. So my friends, buckle up, open up your notebooks, open up your minds and your hearts, and invite in Mark and Angel Chernoff. Mark and Angel, welcome to Live Inspired with John O'Leary. Yes, thank you very much. It's an honor to be here. It is an absolute honor, John. Thank you for having us. Well, I've been following your work for a while, and I've been following as this just keeps growing and growing and growing. It is now officially a movement, and I wanted to make sure that our community heard a little bit more about your efforts. So, Mark and Angel, thrilled you're here. For those who um, are not yet familiar with your efforts, tell us a little bit about the work you're doing today. Sure. Well, Angel and I, about 10 years ago— you know, we, I think all of us have our adversities, right? We all have our struggles. Sometimes we think we're very unique in the struggles that we're having um, and that, you know, I, whatever we're going through just is, is somehow different from what others are going through. Right. And um, we tend to heal when we realize that's not the case. And that was sort of the realization we had in a very backwards way, as many of us do. Um, but for us, that meant um, the loss of a mutual best friend, our friend Josh, um, this was we were in our mid twenties at the time. Um, just a few short weeks later, uh, Angel's uh, brother died by suicide, mm. and mm. then Angel was the breadwinner of our family. I was always um, we both had our degrees from college, but I was always toying with startups and doing more of the creative type uh, route. And she was holding down fort as the MBA and the breadwinner of the family, and she lost her job in the downturn of the economy. And so we were struggling not just emotionally from these very deep and sudden losses in our life, but also financially, trying to figure out how to reinvent ourselves, how to make ends meet, right? How to not lose yes. the roof over our head. And so, you know, for some people, you know, some people you can say have it worse, some people have it better. For us, that was a very, very low point in our lives. Um, it was a point where we were absolutely stuck. We didn't know how to take the best step forward. Uh, we didn't know what the next best step was. 
um, we were really spinning our wheels and we were just having a hard time. You know, it's, it's kind of tough when you're, when you can't stop crying, it's kind of yes. tough to, to put your heart and soul into whatever the next step is. Um, so we started, you know, we, we, it was kind of, we had each other. I say that was, would be the greatest blessing is that we had each other and we were able to, even though we weren't communicating as, as best as one, right. as a couple could communicate in that time frame. Um, we had each other and we made it a pact to step through it together. And so that meant it reading, right? It meant consuming the, the kind of information that would help us take that step forward and holding ourselves accountable to it. So the kind of information might be books like um, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, um, The Road Less Traveled by M. Scott Peck, Byron Katie, an amazing author and woman. Um, but consuming the, the kind of information um, and, and understanding what it was that was going on in our heads and hearts so that we could take small, calculated steps forward every day, and then holding ourselves accountable to those steps, like I said, and that's where our blog came from. So we were reading, right. we, were, we, were, we were executing, and then we were using the blog. Initially, our blog, markandangel.com, was started simply as a public accountability journal. Like, hey, here's what I'm learning, and I'm not writing this for anyone else. Angel's not writing this for anyone else. We're writing this for each other to remind ourselves of what we're learning, what we're going through, and what we need to do for ourselves. Um, and, and it was, you know, for, for quite a few years, it, that's all it was. It was just um, a, a blog that we read that, you know, family and friends would maybe check up on us uh, through. And, you know, call it good, good luck, call it persistence, call it whatever. But this is around the time that, you know, Facebook started taking off, Twitter, um, Reddit, and all these various social media channels, even before then, you know, had delicious and dig.com. Mm -hmm. And so our little mom and pop blog that was just meant for public accountability of, of us taking our personal steps forward suddenly got picked up and syndicated by these various, you know, social networks and, and social bookmarking sites. And so, you know, we went from the, the, you know, maybe five people that were reading the site to a few hundred, <laughs> to a few thousand, to a few hundred thousand. And now we get, you know, a couple million page views a month. Um, and obviously, that's, there's a huge black box there yes. you know, beginning we're, to end. We're going to fill it today. <laughs> but it's been a journey. It's been an absolute wild journey. Angel, when did the journey begin? What Mark mentioned some of the challenges that you faced and, and how you had this accountability blog in, in some regards. What, what year was all this going down? Yeah, it was uh, 2008 and 2009 was really the, the low point for us that, you know, had us disheveled and not quite sure which way to go. And so that's when we, we started the blog and started using that as our outlet. Yeah, that was kind of the point where we were finally like, okay, you know, it's time to start taking some steps forward. We can't be sitting here in, in, this, in this state of mind, right? And so that's where, you know, the idea of holding ourselves accountable kind of came to be in that point. Um, we actually had the blog already registered, too. I guess it's, a, it's kind of a side note, but important to note that it was actually started to be a wedding blog. That's why it was markandangel.com. So we, we got married back in 07. And so it was just, you know, we had already done some writing on it that was more cataloging our journey together, yes. you know, a new couple finding their way in the world. So not <laughs> only can you learn from Mark and Angel how to uh, live life better, you can pick out wedding invitations with them, dresses, <laughs> trains, exactly. flowers. You got it all right there. Yep, yep, and we actually we we backpedaled a little bit and, and took some of that personal stuff off um, that was put there right at the beginning. But uh, but yeah, you know, it, so we we already had that platform kind of set up, and so it was really just an issue of us transitioning it. You know, it was like, okay, here's where we can write. We already have this place. Like, let's not let's not try to reinvent the wheel here. Let's just write in, in an area that we've already been writing. Um, but this time, we're talking about us and and how to right. and how to take a step forward as opposed to you know how to plan a wedding. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, it's an incredible story. A lot of times, though, the stories that we share are not the ones that have led us to where we got today. So it's the fabric from our past that have informed the way we, that, that we show up each and every single day. And so rather than talking about the few million page views a month that you receive or how you write or what accountability you've learned uh, along the journey, I'd like to back way up to your childhood. Angel, where are you from originally? From Florida, Port St. Lucie, Florida. And, and where are you living now? We still are in Florida. We live in Jupiter, Florida, but we we didn't always live there. We met in college, and then we moved out to San Diego, California for five years. Then we lived in Austin, Texas for a couple years, and then we moved back to Florida once we had our son. When you look back at your childhood, back in growing up in the, the sunshine state of Florida, who were some influences that really showed up in mighty ways and touched your life? I would definitely have to say my parents, um, their unconditional love and their persistence to work hard and provide for the family. And I also have a younger sister. So I would, I would say definitely the family life was mm-hmm. very strong. Um, every, every night, you know, every day at 5 p.m., we would sit down as a family and eat dinner. So I feel like there was a very strong family bond there where we could always count on each other. What was your mom like? She she was a hard worker. Um, she actually had her a home daycare. So she was able to always be home when my sister and I got home from school. So she was able to structure her life around us, around like how can I make sure I'm present so that they're safe and um, that they're being taken care of. And so she was able to do that home daycare. So she was always there. She was always present. And what a remarkable lesson that has been even for us now, you know? Yeah. It's just so important when you have a, a child. There's no doubt. And, and the idea of five o'clock dinners, it, it's what I grew up knowing as well. But uh, it is unheard of these days with the amount of activities that all of us are in, whether that's the parents or the children themselves. There's not a whole lot of five o'clock dinners anymore. Absolutely. And, and it, it's a shame. You know, we, we try to keep it going. Now, our son's young. He's, he's only three right now, so he doesn't have all of the activities, after-school activities going on. But yeah, that's definitely something I hope to continue, a tradition I hope to continue, where you sit down around the table for, you know, a good 45 minutes and just go over your day. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, when you think about how that's like such a simple thing, right? And and oftentimes we think that the answers in, in having a, a happier, a more inspired life or, or just even a simpler life are found in some, you know, you know something new that you're going to learn when in fact it's really just right. dialing it back a little right. bit and saying something as simple as just sitting down together as a family every day and just staying in touch with what's going on in each other's heads and in each other's lives is, I mean, it's priceless. I mean, that, that in itself creates a level of peace um, that almost nothing else can. And Mark, why, why, why don't you take us from your own childhood? Where did you grow up and who were some uh, big influences for you as a kid? Sure, sure. Yeah, I grew up in Miami, Florida. So, uh, you know, maybe about, so Angel and I both grew up in Florida. We were probably about two hours away from each other, maybe mm-hmm. two and a half hours away from each other. Never knew that <laughs> until college. We met in Orlando at the University of Central Florida. Um, but early on in my life, um, I tell you what, you know, both of my, you know, it's easy to, to say both of my parents um, but I'll, I'll zero in on my father and say that he had a level of self. I, I learned the positive and the negative from him, mm. and he's a great man. I have a great relationship with him, but he was, he's an incredibly hard worker even to, to today. Um, the level of self-discipline that he invests in the projects that he cares about is, 
is inspiring to say the least. Um, and, and so I've learned how important self-discipline is from him um, and how to apply it to various aspects of my life. Um, everything, you know, and, and you think of it as being about business, but everything from business related stuff to even the self-discipline to make time to sit down each night for dinner, right? Because that is self-discipline. It's like, okay, I need to turn this off so I can turn on family time. Um, and so that's just, it, it's, it's remarkable. Once again, a simple tool, but watching him in action and watching how he was able to, to, um, to make those choices when it mattered to him um, was, was a great lesson for me. And, I, and I'll say the, the flip side of it is that sometimes he would get carried away, right? That sometimes on the business projects, he did a lot of real estate investing. He would get carried away with those projects. And I would also see how that would tear into him where he, like, he, he couldn't break away. He was mm-hmm. so passionate about it. He, he, didn't, he, almost, he had the discipline to do it, but he couldn't figure out how to turn it off sometimes. And so I learned from that too. You know, I mean, he, he definitely missed some, some, some great family fun by being so heavily involved. Um, and, but later on, you know, kind of dialed it back and cut back from it. So just watching him as an adolescent growing up and as a child, um, it was, it was, it was definitely a, there was a lot there to learn about how to run and manage, um, your, your life and how to manage the projects that are meaningful to you. Well, and I, I think it's awesome. The, the uh, analogy is that people are learning from us in every moment of our waking hours. Everything we do, how we hand a credit card to a barista, to how we drive, to a, hold the door open for someone else is educating someone else on who we are, what matters to us, and ultimately what's possible in life. And I think your dad gave you examples both of how to do this the right way, also how to do it maybe the wrong way. And you learned from both. That's, that's powerful, Mark. Angel, do you remember the first time that you met Mark? Yes. <laughs> yeah, um, we were in we were at a pool hall in college. You know, uh, a random Tuesday. You know, when you're in college, you're kind of doing all sorts of things, and it was um, ladies' night as at a pool hall. Oh, of and course, I was it was. 18. Yeah, that's why Mark <laughs> was, was out. <laughs> So I was there. (laughs) Was it was it love at first sight, or did it did uh you become friends for a while, and and uh, it took a while to really develop? Um, no, we we hung out uh, a couple times with a group of friends, and then from there we probably about a month later we decided dating. But throughout our relationship, it was always it was just enjoying each other's company there. I guess we were so young. We didn't have any expectations of like, Oh, this is the guy I'm marrying. And these are the milestones I want to hit by this date. It was just really enjoying each other's company. We were, we dated for seven years before we got married. Mm-hmm. And so it was a, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a relationship where uh, we were definitely, we were in a relationship, but we were also great friends. Did you, yeah. uh, as you're growing closer together at the pool hall and beyond in life, <laughs> did you ever, you know, before tragedy really strikes, did you ever think that you would be leading voices and finding lasting happiness, success, love, and peace? I mean, was, was this ever on your radar? No, not for me at all. <laughs> no, not not for me either. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it just wasn't, that wasn't really, that wasn't the focal point, you know? I mean, we were, we were into, you know, going back to college I and mean, we were, Angel was getting her degree in business. Um, I got a degree actually in engineering and computer engineering. Mm-hmm. Um, we had no, I mean, psychology, mindset, spirituality, these things were just not on the radar. Um, and they became a necessity um, when our life changed and when our mindset changed about what, what, what really mattered. Um, and so it was, yeah, for us, it was a, a bit of a shock to say the least. 
Well, let's talk about that change. Your best friend dies, and I think for both of you to have this person as one of your best friends, he must have been an, an incredible person. Will you tell me a little bit more about your friend? Yeah, he was, um, his name is Josh, and I, I met him through work, and we worked together for about seven years. And he was just one of those people that could always make you smile, you know. No one ever had a bad thing to say about him. Um, he could always make you laugh. He always had he always had good things to say, and he was a hard worker. So he he did what he said he was going to do, and he always tried his hardest. Like he was definitely someone you would look up to, someone you would want to want to be in his presence because whenever you were around him, you were happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's something about Josh. It, it's so interesting. Like you know, honesty was the word that jumped to my mind. You know, as you were talking there, I just he there was something so genuinely honest about his character and who he was. You could feel it. I mean, you could feel it. I remember the first time Angel introduced me to him. I mean, it was just, you just felt like this. You're in the presence of a very genuine human being, a very genuine soul, almost an old soul, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, he just became, I mean, instantly became a, a you know, a, a, a person in our life who we spent a lot of time with. Um, and an Angel was working with him. And then, you know, we'd all go out together. Um, and he, you know, it, it, yeah, his, his when he passed, um, and it was unexpectedly, believe it or not, from a cardiac arrest that was uh, driven by an asthma attack. And he had asthma, but had never had an asthma attack um, anywhere even close to being life-threatening up mm-hmm. to that point. Um, it was such a shock. You know, it was just, you know, he was coming out to visit us in San Diego, um, j- had just finished text message exchanges about, you know, his impending visit. And then all of a sudden, you know, the phone calls and the text messages we're getting are instead are, you know, have you heard about Josh? And, um, yeah, it's just uh, such a shock, you know, just I, it was complete silence. I remember the, that morning just being, you know, wow, like it's not that's not supposed to happen at 27. Yes. Right. You know, that's just not the way the, work, the life is supposed to work. And it's also important to say, too, that, you know, his, his, his wife, um, who's now has actually become a, a, a best friend of ours was a friend before, but has, I mean, I'm not definitely not going to say fills Josh's shoes, but ha, our, our relationship has strengthened so much with Cammie. Um, it's important to say though, that they got married early and they had actually two boys um, and they were very young at the time, right? Like five and two, maybe mm-hmm. um, at the time of Josh's passing. Um, so that was, you know, another part of it too, is just, you know, thinking about his kids and we were just like, we were, we were distraught on that and, and had spent a lot of time trying to figure out how we could help contribute to Cammy's life and help her. Um, and she actually now works with us. So that's, mm-hmm. it's quite, quite remarkable, but, but yeah, that was, I mean, that, that was such a, such a shock um, that it really changed our perception of, you know, the, the ideal in our head that, you know, this is, this is how it's supposed right. to be. And right. suddenly it's not that way. And Eight, course, 80 years of health and then you move on, but you find out anything can happen at any point in the journey. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You you find this out not only from your friend Josh, but then Angel, you you get a, a second massive uh, punch in the face when you get another phone call. Will you, will you talk us through that? Yeah. Two, two months later, um, we find out that my brother had died by suicide. And so at, at this point, you know, two things back to back. Um I mean, yeah, I just wanted to lay in bed all day and just cry. I didn't feel like myself at all. And it, 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 was, it was hard to cope and understand that these things could be happening. 
How, how and, do you question why? Yeah, that's you know, my why? question. When you, you ask you that, find, you find what's your answer? I mean, I think I think that question is is what holds you back, though, because then wanting to know all the whys when the why is not reality. The reality is that you know they had both passed away, and how do you how do you get up the next day? How do you make a difference? in your life and the people that are being affected. And so, yeah, the, the whys I think are really what, what was holding me down for the longest time is wanting an explanation for how this could happen, why this could happen. How is it possible? This isn't, this isn't, you know, this isn't what you read in the books. This isn't mm-hmm. what your, your life is scripted out to be. Yeah. It's uh the, the whys leads you in circles. Um, you know, I'll, I'll fill you without giving the entire story, but I'll fill you in on another detail. And that is that Angel um, had, she passed on a job. She passed on a job opportunity with a, with a friend of ours who owns a company. Um, and we decided we, we, that wasn't the right thing for Angel. Um, so she passed on it. And, uh, and Josh ended up taking that job. And when he passed away, he was on a business trip in a, in a hotel room um, with our friend who owns the company. Um, and so he was away from his wife and kids and he passed away in the middle of the night from this asthma attack. And there was a period of time when you start talking about that, why really kicking you in the shin and kicking you in the heart. Angel, you know, caught herself asking. And, 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 and we talked a lot about this, you know, what if I had taken the job? Yeah. What if, what, what if Josh wasn't in that hotel room? Like I'm the one who hooked him up with this job. Yeah, like right? what, what if he had that asthma attack while uh-huh. he was in his own yes. house with wife who could have reacted quicker and would see it would have seen it you know what you know if, if the the events that had laid out you know if I never helped him get that job and you know I've had this conversation with his, with his wife and she's like don't ever think that you know she's like the, those five months that he was in his job were the best five months ever because he had the flexibility of being with his kids during the day and then traveling and getting work done. He's like, she was like, you know, don't ever regret helping him get that job because he was the happiest he ever was in those five months doing that job. So you both have lost two dear friends, family members, and then Angel, on top of it all, you're going to lose your job. You're going to have zero income coming in. Tell me how you as a couple start not only digesting this internally, but talking about it as a couple. How do you make sense out of this kind of one, two, three trifecta punch? Well, that's, yeah, that, that goes down to our, our research and just starting to dive into personal development um, and being more spiritual and being more mindful. Um, I would say that simplification, you know, eliminating the distractions. The first thing was like, let's, let's, let's start handling some of those deep and heavy thoughts that are going on, like, like Angel mentioned, the why. Um, I think why is an incredibly important question to ask, but when it's keeping you stuck in that cycle of why did this happen? Why couldn't things be different? Um, why didn't I take that job instead of him and so forth? I mean, it, obviously it can be debilitating. Mm-hmm. And so what we did, you know, our initial practice in, in overcoming this, um, you know, without going to, into too many details would be, it started off as a journaling practice um, that we we leveraged the journaling and we leveraged tools that we learned um, from some of the affirm like from I'll, I'll use an example of Byron Katie and Alan Watts, two Eastern philosophers. Um, in, in, in Eastern philosophy, there's a lot of uh, questioning truth. So like, is this true um, is, is a major question in Eastern philosophy when you're thinking about um, 
kind of be becoming more mindful and aware. Um, so what we did is the, the, simp- the practice that is actually quite simple, but quite complicated to pull off, right? It, or a yes. better way of saying that is it's, it's, it's simple, but it's certainly not easy. Um, it is definitely hard. And it was about be- zeroing in on the thoughts. So whenever we felt like we had a really heavy thought, whenever we found ourselves questioning why things were not different than they are, we would write that thought down. We would just literally get it out of our head and down on paper. And it wasn't a journaling exercise and like writing a whole story. It was just, let's get a few sentences out that is just literally a raw brain dump of that heavy thought that we know is not serving us. And we would do that as often as we needed to do throughout a week. And then that's kind of the first part, just get it out of your head, right? There there must have been a lot of writing in the early stages as you're trying to get a whole lot of thoughts and pain out of your heads. You, yeah, you better, you better believe it. Um, and so, so that was like really the first part of it was just like, let's get it out. Let's get it out. And, and you know, I mean, as I'm sure you know, and I mean, a, a lot of people do with journaling, it's very therapeutic just to do that. Um, the second part of it though, and this is the, the real, the real, I would say the tool that really helped us take some massive steps forward was then applying some of those questions. Like, is it true to what we had written down? So we would write, typically throughout a week, we would write just kind of raw brain dump whenever we had one of those really heavy thoughts going on. And then we would sit down together, but separately, and we would go back through them. We would read our journal of thoughts, bring awareness to what had gone on in our, what was actually going on in our minds during some of the most stressful uh, moments during our week, right? Some of those moments where we were like literally in tears or whether we were just totally stuck. Um, and just that process of like when, you know, once a week when you're feeling calm and collected, just sitting down and kind of reading through the heaviest thoughts of your week can be quite enlightening. You know, mm-hmm. and, and you're going to start to see when you do that on a weekly basis, you start to see patterns by not, without even doing anything else. Forget about the questions you're going to ask yourself, but just reading the thoughts themselves can be very enlightening. Um, and some of it. Mark, give, give me an example or Angel, if you prefer to step in of a thought that you may have written down why you felt that way and what you learned after writing it down, looking back on it. I would say, you know, especially during that time, one of the thoughts is it, it shouldn't be like this. Right. You know, this shouldn't, this should not have happened. And so when you start asking those questions, like, is that true? And well, no, that's not true because reality is, this is what happened. And so that, that, that was, that, that was hard to accept. And, and when you continue to ask those questions, like the next one is, you know, when I think this thought, you know, this shouldn't have happened, how does it make me feel? Well, you know, it, it, it sends me down this downward spiral of, uh, of what ifs and should haves and why, and it doesn't move me forward. And it makes you feel terrible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then there's no explanation. And then um, the, when you move on to the third question being, you know, if I could remove this thought, what else would I see? And I think that was really powerful because when I was able to remove the thought like this shouldn't have happened, I was able to see, okay, well, well this is what happened. This is reality. You know, I lost my job. My best friend passed away. My brother is no longer here. What, what, what was I then able to do going forward? And so, for example, with the job, it was an opportunity to start fresh. It was an opportunity to say, okay, well, you know, how many times are, are we granted it? Uh, are we 
forced to say, okay, I can start fresh. I can see what other opportunities are out there rather than being doing this job because it's comfortable, because it's a paycheck. So I was like, okay, I'm not just going to go after the next job mm-hmm. that it hires me. This is an opportunity to do something that I'm passionate about, that I love. And so there was that side of it. And then also with my friend Josh, you know, what could I do? Well, I could support his wife, Cammie. You know, I could be there to talk to her when she was, when she, I could just be available. You know, I didn't, I didn't, I was struggling. I didn't have the answers by any means, but I was able to make myself available. So when she was ready to talk, I was there. Yeah. And I, and I would say that our relationship with Cammie now is, I mean, it's probably one of the strongest relationships that we have with, with someone else, which is remarkable when you think about, the relationship we used to have with Josh. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's, uh, it's quite a remarkable, um, shift. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, and, and that's, it's so difficult to do that too. Like you said, I mean, it, it, to find like, you know, to, to ask yourself that question, like, you know, what if I could remove this thought mm-hmm. that bad that my friend passed away or that my brother passed away or that this person I love passed away? Like you think to yourself first, you're like, well, I can't remove that thought, you know, but what if, you could look past it, like without that thought in your head right now, without that tunnel vision, that very narrow focus on this, this tragedy, what else surrounds it? Like what else is in the periphery here? And is it possible that I can work within that periphery to do something that's amazing or at least something that helps me take the smallest step forward in in the right direction? And, and the answer 99.9% of the time is yes, there is something small. There is for every for every negative, there is some kind of positive aspect to it. And it's, it's not necessarily positive. I mean, that's, that might be a cliche to say it's positive, but right. it's, it's, cer- it's certainly an opportunity yeah. there. There's that, a silver lining. There is a silver you lining. Know, embrace the experiences that shape us. You know, what, what is the outcome? What are we now able to do because of those experiences? And that is incredibly uncomfortable. It goes back to, like, these are it's like simple things, but it's very difficult to do these things. It's very difficult to sit down there and question your thoughts. It's very difficult just to write them down. It's difficult to bring awareness to it. It's difficult to deal with it like head on and, and instead of, you know, doing what, what, what's more typical, which is distraction, right? Like, let me distract myself from this reality. Let me, let me turn on the TV or let me have a drink or let me, you know, just go someplace else and, and distract myself in any way that will allow me to not have to deal with this. Um, and, and that is, you know, that's tough. That is really tough. Um, but when you, when you, when you find the self-discipline, it goes back to that discipline to actually do it and, and, and to, to cry even harder than you ever would have if you didn't just face it. Um, you ultimately at the end of those tears, at the end of that struggle, you're going to find that silver lining that you're talking about. You're going to start to see you're going to bring more awareness to the situation, a level of awareness that you couldn't have otherwise. And in that awareness, you're going to see those little bits of opportunity that are allow, going to allow you to take a step forward in a direction that you would not have been otherwise able to take. And that makes all the difference. And it doesn't happen quickly. Like I said, even the journaling and the questioning, that's a practice. That's something where like, you know, you're, you're, you're a few weeks, a few months into it, and you start to see the patterns in your thoughts and you start to have more awareness of what's really, you know, hurting you. Like what are the specific thoughts that are really killing you? And, and that frees you. It ultimately allows you to, it, you know, it doesn't mean those thoughts go away. It doesn't mean that that death didn't happen, but it does, it does make you feel more comfortable with the issues you're dealing with mm. and which allows you to put that best foot forward. One thing that uh, amazes me about both of you is that 
I interview both of you. In other words, you're doing therapy, you're doing coaching, you're doing health, you're doing life, you're doing faith together, which is really hard to do as a couple, as partners, whatever the relationship may look like. You are moving through massive adversity together. So I'm curious, along the journey, what were some techniques that you used as a couple to guide your 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 flow and to keep you moving forward, not separately but together? Because very unusual is that what takes place in a relationship after tragedy. I tell you what, um, I mean, it, it might sound cliche to say it, but but presence, presence with each other. Um, you know, you can call it meditation. You can call it just sitting there in silence together. Um, but there was a lot of presence, especially, you know, especially when we were dealing with tragedy, it was just being there sometimes sitting in silence in the same room together for an hour. I mean, like there was nothing anybody wanted to say, even though so much needed to be said and just being there and being, being available and present for each other, um, was ultimately really what led to the whole practice we just discussed. Mm -hmm. It was, it was what led to those ideas. Um, like I said, you know, to distract ourselves would have definitely been the easier path. Um, and for a while we did that. Sure. So I'm not going to say sure. that we're above that. I, I, you know, that's another thing to say is that nobody's above any of this stuff. I mean, every one of us are going to be blindsided by life at some point. And when it happens, no matter how much of a master you are at managing your emotions and managing your mindset, um, it's going to catch you off guard and you're going to, you're going to, you're going to trip sometimes. Um, but when you can bring yourself back to, to being present, to facing it, um, instead of running from it, um, and especially if you have another person to face that with, um, it's it's remarkable. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not easy because that other person, you know, gets the good and the bad. You know, they're the ones you're taking it out on also. You know, you're, they're the ones that you're snapping at. Um, but then, so I think it's also being compassionate and being, being you know, we're very fortunate that we had each other because I, I think that helped us out a lot to have that person just be present. So whether we were snapping at each other or we were just listening and being quiet or whether, you know, we were crying and letting our heart out, mm-hmm. we had that person that was readily available whenever we needed it. Yeah. You have a... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, thanks, Mark. You you have a website that you designed for the, the wedding journey, and it's shifting gears now after the tragedies into one where you're you're publicly laying out what's going on, and uh, you want to own it. You want to be held accountable so that you can do life even better going forward. To help me understand when it shifts from being five viewers to uh, six, and then seven, and then onward from there, and and then ultimately, when did you realize, man, we we're doing something here that matters? I, I tell you, that was that. That's another mindset shift, right? Um, yeah. Totally, it's huge. I mean, so so yeah, we you know, so it was a call it a passion project, right? It was a side project for us. This was a project that was meant to to help us. We weren't writing for anyone other than ourselves. Um, so when we started receiving feedback, I think feedback is the best way to to say it. Comments, emails, people asking us questions. Um, at first we sort of felt like, who are we? You remember having that conversation? Mm-hmm. Like, it was like, who are we to give these people advice? Right. It, you know, it, we, we're not psychologists, you know, wh- why, why would we try to be able you know, answer these people's questions? We don't have all the answers. We're still struggling ourselves. What we noticed though, as we were sort of in that denial phase, um, was that although we didn't have all the answers, we had a lot of 
a lot of people who were emailing us and leaving comments and asking us questions about things that we ourselves had gone through, that we ourselves were, in the, were either in the process of overcoming or had overcome. Um, you know, and, it, and it was like, you know, we don't have all the answers, but we have some tools, we have some ideas, we have some strategies that have helped us. And so we became, uh, we just got a little bit more confident in, in that, you know what, we're going to put that out there for these people. We're going to be a little bit more direct with people's unique stories and, and reply to these comments and answer these emails and, and yes. say, you know, hey, you know, we don't have all the answers, but here's what worked for us. You know, give it a shot. And the feedback coming, you know, fr- from that, from those feedback loops of like kind of offering advice to people and receiving feedback even from that advice um, was a remarkably rewarding feeling um, that we were able to help people. And so, I mean, it, it went from that into then saying, okay, you know what, for those, for those who are really saying, I need more, I need more, um, I want your help, I want, I want you to hold me accountable to this, that's where we started offering coaching. Um, we started, you know, doing the one-on-one coaching and group coaching, and, uh, and that's actually our course, Getting Back to Happy, is a, it's a highlight of some of the most common um, questions and the most common mindset issues that we saw people dealing with over the years. So we built a course that, that sort of takes a deeper dive into those specific issues, and then we offer our one-on-one coaching with the course. Um, so it, it becomes, you know, for us, it, it, it was a, like a slow series of evolution where it was like we were dealing with something. We had a few people asking us questions. We started answering them. As the blog grew, we were answering more questions. We started saying, okay, like this is something we, you know, if, if we're going to go one-on-one with people, especially on the phone or Skype or something like that, you've got to obviously charge for your time. Um, you know, is this just going to be something on the side or mm-hmm. is it actually going to be something we're going to be more business focused on? And that was, that was tough in a sense. I said, you know, mindset was tough. I mean, because when you're trying to help people, sometimes it gets very tough. You're like, well, why am I going to charge this person money to help them? <laughs> you know? Yes. And so we struggled with that for a long time too. Like how, like how can we deny somebody just because they can't afford to pay us? And so, you know, we did a lot. I mean, we were undercharging and doing a lot of stuff for free for a long time. And still our blog is entirely free and all that. Um, but we, you know, once again, this was like, we eased into this. It became being more confident about what this journey was about for us, um, and how we were able to give back and, and figuring out how to balance it so that we're helping as many people as possible for free. But then also for the people who want to take a deeper dive, you know, we're, we're charging for our time. So, um, yeah, it was a very interesting and it was a long process. I mean, I'm, I'm saying this quickly, but you would agree. I hear you. It, it took place over years, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's one of those things where it's easy to look at someone's success and say, oh, that happened overnight. I, I want to be just like them. But, you know, there, there's a lot that goes into it, a lot of hard work. And, you know, we had one uh, one particular article went viral on Facebook. It got like 600,000 shares. And all of a sudden we were like, okay, you know, we're definitely on to something here. I think that we can genuinely help other people. This is something we should pursue full time, both of us. Yeah. And even, even that process we did very slowly. So we stepped out of our jobs one at a time, very slowly kind of, you know, and, and it was, um, it, but, 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 but becoming more calculated um, and figuring out how to turn it into a business so that like, once again, that we're, we're helping people that need help. Um, and doing it in a way that we felt we felt confident and comfortable with. Um, we felt like genuinely good about in our hearts and heads. Mark and Angel, you write a ton. It's prolific what you're putting out there, and it is free. Uh, sometimes the best work that we create you know, is shared 600,000 times, and other times it just doesn't connect. It just doesn't go viral. <laughs> so I'm curious, is there a blog that you loved, you just loved this baby, and maybe it didn't get the traction that you'd hoped, but tell me a little bit about your, your personal favorite blog. 
<laughs> that's a that's a great question. I tell you, I'll, I'll say this. Um, you're so right, John. I mean, it, you know, even so, we've been we've been writing on the blog now. I mean, what's it been? Gosh, it's been eleven years, I guess, from the start. And um, and I still, I still to this day, an angel as well. We we laugh about it sometimes. We just can't tell. You can't yes. tell whether an article is going to do well or not. You think you know. You're like, oh, this is the right title. This is the right intro. And like sometimes it just sometimes it catches on and sometimes it doesn't. Um, oh gosh, what do you have one that comes to mind as one that would be your favorite that didn't go anywhere? That's tough. I, <laughs> I even if it blew up, because I'm sure many of us have not yet read it, so we'll love to just hear the highlight from you right now. But what, what's the favorite piece you've ever created? I tell you, um, there's there's a piece we wrote maybe about six months ago, and it actually has a little video associated with it too. So there's a little video blog at the end of it, and I you know I don't have my computer right in front of me, so I'm I'm gonna probably botch the title up, but it's um, one surprisingly simple rule that will make your goals happen faster, and it goes right along the lines of the power of daily rituals and how important the daily rituals are in our lives to achieving the goals we ultimately want to achieve and how so oftentimes Angel and I realized, you know, even going back to tragedy and trying to figure out how to dig ourselves out of that, that we had all these big goals, all these like milestones we were trying to achieve and that just the weight of those big goals were sitting heavy on our shoulders and that the problem wasn't that we didn't have the right goals or that we didn't have enough goals. The problem was we were thinking about our goals too much when instead what we needed to focus on were the daily rituals, mm-hmm. the daily recurring steps that would actually get us to those goals. And realizing that if we actually even remove the goal, right? So like, let's say your goal is to like, you know, lose 50 pounds and you, you were only thinking about that and how you weren't there yet and you weren't good enough yet and let that goal sitting heavy on your head, it, it stops you. But if you just remove that goal and you just focus on the diet and the exercise every day, and those are the only two things you focus on. You forget about the goal altogether, and you just focus on the ritual. Would it you actually achieve that goal? Yeah, eventually you'd get there without ever even thinking about it again. Mm-hmm. And so that philosophy kind of applies to everything else we were trying to achieve, right? And, and it was that realization that it was really the daily ritual, those daily recurring steps, those little things, tiny things that we do every day that have you know, massive impact over time. And so that article is, 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 it has, like I said, a video blog part and, a, um, and, and, and just writing about that philosophy. Um, didn't do anything, you know, I, I would say that, that that didn't go, that didn't have like a big reach, but I think the information there is so awesome. universally applicable to the things that we struggle with. Angel, looking back now on 12 years of writing and 12 years of becoming the best version of yourself, what, what has surprised you the most? I would say that you're constantly learning. Like, I would say we're never going to be at, like, this is the best I'll ever be right now. Like, that thinking doesn't exist. Like, you ha- that you're constantly learning and that every day you're becoming a better version of yourself. So I, I, I would say, like, doing this work has helped us stay in that mindset of constantly learning, constantly growing, constantly like reviewing our thoughts and what are some areas of opportunity and just continuing being those lifelong learners. And Mark, I'll ask you the same question. Yeah, I would agree. Um, You know, it, 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 it's so interesting. I think the best lessons we learn are the lessons we learn over and over again. 
Um, and that's why, you know, some of the, you know, the little quotes and the cliches that we love to repeat to ourselves can actually be quite powerful because we need to hear those things. And, and when you're, when you're in the, the business and in the profession of personal development and self-improvement, um, you are, you are surrounding yourself with this, this kind of information and these kind of strategies and working and helping other people and hearing, like hearing the, you know, experiencing these strategies through other people's stories on a daily basis. Um, it's, it's enlightening. And it, it's amazing how I agree with Angel entirely, how you realize that you're only ever just beginning. Like we, we think we're so far down yes. this path that there's no way of turning around or we're just too deep in it. Be that whatever it is, it could be for the, for the good or, or the bad, right? It could be, I'm in a tough situation or I'm in the greatest situation and I've achieved everything I ever want to achieve. And now I'm bored. You know, it's like people think about things so differently, but the truth is we're only ever just beginning. And there's always room for shifting and growth and, and life is going to change on you one way or the other. So you might as well be, be in that adaptive mode where you can change with it because it's the only option we have. And I think the awareness of that and, and, and learning to cope and help people cope with that reality is, is, is simple, but yet quite amazing. So we're, we're going to move in a moment to what we call the Live Inspired 7. There are seven questions that every guest has always been asked on this show. But before we do, one, one final question. You, you put out information that frees people to take the next best step in whatever area they want to focus on. And I think that's highly important. In your own journey, and I know you're big into daily rituals, in your own daily rituals, what's that one thing that you do that you think frees you to continually take the next best step? Acceptance. <laughs> I, would, I would definitely say acceptance of where I am right now in this moment, like not trying to fight it, but accepting that here I am, This is, these are the cards that I've been dealt, and what is the next step to go forward? So I would say for me, not, not fighting, not resisting. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. I, I think it, it, awareness, you know, awareness comes to mind, and, and the practice of awareness for us is through meditation. I think that's one way of doing it. Some people could take a, a morning jog. But having that, having, you know, 10 minutes of a, of a morning meditation um, and, and just quiet time to focus on the present moment, however you best want to do that. You know, you can sit and meditate with your eyes closed. You can sit there and stare off your back porch at the, at the wind blowing the trees. But just being there without an agenda, without a clock, without anticipation of the next step, just being right there. Um, if you can do that at the beginning of every morning, I mean, that really that has set me up anyway. And I know Angel, I'm speaking for you as well, but we, we do that. We practice that together and it just sets you up to put your most intentional and present foot into the next thing that you do. And, um, and you're kind of like knocking over that first domino with the, with, with the right footing. Um, you're, you're really just putting your best foot forward first thing in the morning and that trickles into the rest of the day. No doubt. It doesn't mean the day no is going to be easy, but uh, it's definitely a ritual that, that's made a difference. All right, well, I appreciate you sharing that. I think it's great ideas. So we're going to shift gears into what is called the Live Inspired 7. Mark, why don't we start with you? What's the best book you've ever read? Oh, man, just one, huh? Just one, um, I know. I, I, you know, I mentioned it earlier, um, The Road Less Traveled by M. Scott Peck. I think that, that book starts with a line. Um, it's just one line, and it says, life is not easy. And I think that, had a, I had profound impact on me. The entire book is amazing, and it kind of backs up that idea that life is not easy. Life is amazing. Life is complicated. Life is fulfilling. Life is heartbreaking. Life is rewarding. But life is not easy. And when we get over that idea that life should be easy, that things should be easier, that things shouldn't be the way they are, they shouldn't be so difficult, 
it, it frees the mind to be able to t- tackle so much. Mm. That book had a profound impact on my life. Miss Angel? I would say The Four Agreements hmm. um, by Miguel Ruiz. Um, that, that book, it, it, it's, it's so simple yet so powerful, um, you know, especially the part about not taking things personal, you know, that the majority of the time people are not doing things because of you. They're doing things because of them, even though it may seem as though a direct attack on you, um, you know, and some of the other things, you know, being impeccable with your word and doing your best. Yeah, I, I, w- I would say that one had a very powerful impact on me. Tomorrow, you both discover that your wealthy uncle has shockingly died at 103, leaving you both with millions. What would you do with that newfound wealth? Angel, why don't we start with you? You have now millions of dollars, unwarranted in some regards, that have arrived in your bank account. What would you do with that newfound wealth? Um, you know, we, we have what we need. Like I, I think of that money and I think of how could we have an, more of an impact than we do right now? Um, so we have, we have a reach right now with the blog, but how, how do we give back? And so I, I, I would almost say like maybe doing some type of, some type of like nonprofit work, um, maybe for children specifically is what comes to mind for me. Yeah. I, I, I resonate with that entirely. Um, figuring out how to reinvest it um, into the business in a way that maybe we can offer scholarships to those who couldn't afford the courses and the coaching. Um, we could hire others who would be able to help facilitate the, the work that we couldn't do ourselves. Um, I love the idea of a nonprofit or something that would, would, would be specific to helping people in need. Um, obviously, we'd need to have time to think about what that yeah, specific nonprofit would be about. But, yeah, so, some way of, of offering, you know, like – it, suddenly it wouldn't be about the money at all, right? And when you can eliminate the money, well, that's, the that's need the for, to make money, you can really, you can really free yourself to, to, to give your whole self um, in ways that you wouldn't otherwise be able to do. Um, and I think, I think hiring, and hiring people that could help us help others would just be an amazing way of doing that, regardless of how you do it. If your house caught fire and all living things and all living people are already out and you had an opportunity to run in and grab one item, just one though. What would you grab? <laughs> oh man. Um, I tell you what, you know, we've spent a lot of time over the last decade just simplifying our life. Um, there is not a lot, you know, the house is insured. There's just not a lot in there that ma- that matters at all. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, it, it, it's such a cliche to say, but data comes to mind. Like, yeah, you know. for me, for me, I would just say my computer, yeah, right. all of my photo. You know, nowadays with digital photos, I feel like all of my photos are on there. Yeah, but outside of that, material, we don't really have any materials that would be irreplaceable. Yeah, as long as yeah, as long as our family was out safe. I mean, I think everything else can be reconstructed and rebuilt. I um, mean, you know, it's. We just do not have a strong attachment to personal possess- or physical possessions these days. So, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a tough one, but there wouldn't be much. Yeah, there really maybe, maybe the computer at, the, at best. There's, a, there's, there's strength in that answer, so don't, don't beat yourself up too much on it. All right, next question is this. If you could sit on a bench overlooking a beach on a gorgeous day and have a long conversation with anyone, living or dead, who would you want to have that nice long visit with? 
so I would have to say we are very lucky that we live about five miles from the Atlantic Ocean. So we actually get to do this uh, pretty often. And, you know, for me, I would keep it to what I'm very fortunate and blessed to have. And it's just, you know, Mark and my son, Mac, and the three of us sitting on that bench, just having a conversation, looking at that ocean. And I'm very fortunate that we're actually able to do, to do that it, right. pretty often now. Yeah, just Mark, Mark the, the only thing is you can't say me too. So you have to give me an answer because <laughs> she's already yeah. she's already d- given us the perfect answer, and now it's your turn to go a little bit off the track. But if if it was not for your little one and not for your bride, who would you want to sit on that bench with? Uh, you know what? It's interesting. We were just driving up um, from Florida. We're in North Carolina right now visiting my folks, and um, we stopped off in South Carolina to see the eclipse. And my grandparents, who passed away about 15 years ago, lived um, in the Bluffton, South Carolina area. And while we were there, I, I was really thinking of them. I was looking over the salt marshes there, and I was thinking about them and, and you know, and just the memories I had of, of being a child at their house. And I, I even remember mentioning that to you while we were out in Old yeah. Town Bluffton. I said, you know, it would be so fascinating to sit down with my grandparents, either one of them, and just hear their stories because they used to share so many stories with me as a child. And like now as an adult, you know, in my mid thirties, it would be great to hear those stories. There'd be so many lessons. There'd be so much wisdom there that, that at the time, of course I missed. Um, so I, I think that's who I'd want to be there with. I just want to, I would love another shot at just sitting there with my grandparents and hearing the stories they probably mm. already told me. Just give me one more chance at those stories so I can remember them this time. Awesome. I think that would be a beautiful thing. Great answers. What, what's the best advice that you've ever received? Oh, man. Um, I don't want to repeat what Angel said, but I, I tell you what, you know, that was something my dad echoed to me a lot and, and also my mom when I was younger. And that was Angel mentioned it from the book uh, uh, by Miguel Ruiz, but don't take things personally. Um, and my parents said it to me in so many ways, but like whenever I'd be stressed out, um, you know, at school or whenever I, somebody, you know, like in a bullying situation or anything like that, that, you know, people do things because of them. They don't do things because of you. Most of the time, the way people are treating you has to do with their own issues, their own universe that they're, that they're consumed with. And you just, you know, you're just in it for that moment. Mm. Um, so don't, don't take that personally. Don't let that affect the rest of your day and all, everything else that you are. I think that, I mean, that right there, you know, growing up with that in my head has, has helped me tremendously. Um, and, and we've certainly, you know, we've certainly leveraged that um, in, in every imaginable sense. So, yeah, that's probably the best advice I ever received. Angel? I would have to say the advice is you're not done yet. <laughs> um, and and it, it sounds funny. And this actually came from Mark. Um, we're, we're both runners and he can go further distances than me. And I asked him, I was like, you know, for me, running is hard and it's definitely a mental game for me. You know, whether I turn the music up really loud or, you know, it's what my mind is telling me I'm tired. And so I asked Mark, I'm like, how are you able to run so far? I'm like, what do you tell yourself to keep yourself going? Because, you know, I've thought of all of these mantras, you know, believe in yourself and, and all sorts of things. I'm like, how do you do it? And he said, I just tell myself I'm not done yet. And so that, that advice applies in so many different aspects of my life. And I, I've really held on to that, just the saying, you are not done yet. Whether it's exercising, whether it's pushing forward, 
in life. I mean, in all aspects. Yeah. That saying you are not done yet really stuck with me. And, Mar- <laughs> and when Mark told me that he, he, he was referring to running, it, it definitely helped with that. It's like, you're not done yet. Keep going. You're not done yet. Um, but it really, it, it applies in every aspect of my yeah. life and I love it. I, I love it too. That's awesome. So what would you tell your 20 year old self? What would I tell my 20-year-old self? I would say don't take yourself so seriously. You know, like, you know, don't try to control the uncontrollable. Enjoy it. Yeah, that's a good – I love that. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I would riff right off of that and say that um, you don't have to have it all figured out. You know, you just don't have to have it figured out. I think that's – Sadly, in our in our society, we you know we send our children off to you know universities at 18 and pretend like they have to pick a career that they're going to work on for the rest of their entire life, as if reinventing yourself and changing with the times isn't allowed. You know, it's it's that mindset that like you have to have it all figured out. You have to you you've got to be have it just right this the first time. You know, and that that's a lot of pressure. And um, and I had a lot of that pressure sitting on my shoulders. I know Angel has as well. I know a lot of us have. If I could go back and tell my younger self, like, you don't have to have it all figured out. Like, it's okay to make mistakes. And, and not only that, it's okay to, like, explore. It's okay to not have, like, the perfect decision the first time. You know, you can, you can, you can give yourself the flexibility to say, you know what, I'm going to try this for a while and see mm-hmm. how it goes without, without thinking that this is how it always has to be if I make this decision now. So, yeah, it's, I, I think that's, a, that's just a good advice for young people. And it's, it's, it's good for, for any age, really, to realize that we're just not – we aren't stuck. You know, things are changing anyway, and you always have the opportunity to make shifts. I think that's great advice yeah. at age 20 and 86. So, uh, <laughs> I agree. All right, final question. You, you have both made it through. Congratulations. You're almost there. The final question is, it has been said that all great people can have their lives summed up in one sentence. How would you like your one sentence to read? Uh, he... he made the best of it. I would think that, that that's, you know, he made the best of it. And I hope I'd, I'd actually love it to be. We I'll include angel. We made the best of it. I think that's, that's what I aspire for everyone that we work with all of our coaching clients and students. I, I, you know, on a daily basis strive to help them make the best of it. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean it's perfect. Quite frankly, it could be far from, um, but there are ways that we can make the best of it. There are little shifts that we can make that'll allow us to um, to seize the opportunities that we do have. And uh, and making the best of it is all we can hope to aspire for. That's what I aspire for myself, and it's what I aspire for those I love and those I, I work with. So that would that would be mine. Perfect, Miss Angel. Yeah, I would say um, yeah. She took the experiences that shaped her. And loved it. And made and yeah, along the same lines and made the best of it. Yeah, I like that loved it. Yeah. I mean it's it's hard to love the things that, that we don't that we didn't want. Yeah. Right? It's hard to love the things that we didn't that we didn't expect and that we didn't really want. But when you put that love in there, um that that it's that in a sense is making the best of it. That's really yeah. what it's all about. Well, Angel and Mark Turnoff, you have taken the things that blew in your direction. You have decided to love them. 
And in doing so, you're teaching the rest of us how we can do the same in our own world. And it it is inspiring the way you've gone about it. It's uplifting. It's encouraging. And I've been so grateful to spend this time with you today. John, we are are equally as grateful to be in your presence. Um, Thank you for all the amazing work that you do. It's an inspiration to us as well. Well, my friends, that was Mark and Angel, two guests today. This is John O'Leary, and today is your day. Live inspired.